We thank you for this morning again. We acknowledge you. We thank you for the word that is going to come out of my mouth. Be like a pen ready to write on the hearts of your people. Divide it evenly amongst us, Lord Father. Deposit it into hearts of good soil that it will become fruitful, fruit that will remain. In Jesus' name, amen. High five your neighbor and take a seat. Welcome in the name of Jesus. We've already welcomed you, but if you don't feel welcome, welcome yourself. Hallelujah. Don't forget the 20th of December. We are having a huge church end of year pot. Pot. Everyone say pot. pot. Say not plate. Right. Everyone say what? Pot. We're having an end of year potluck dinner on the 20th of December. So please. Potluck lunch on the 20th, thank you, Mr. V, on the 20th of December. So please come prepared. Bring a big pot of chopped suey and curry and taro and boil up. And don't forget the oysters and the salmon. And don't forget the pig. Don't forget it all, okay? Just so everyone knows that that's what I'm envisioning for our last potluck lunch. Amen. So 20th of December. Before I hit it, I think Jordan's going to just chuck something up. No, Jordan's not going to cut something up. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Oh, no. Oh, I was reading something the other day, and a teacher said to the children, she was teaching communion to the kids. You know, communion, we just had communion. She was teaching communion to the kids. And then one of the children, and she was going, this is Jesus' body, and this is Jesus' blood. And one of the children goes up, goes and says, excuse me, miss. And she goes, yes. He goes, okay, how many times do I have to take communion to eat all of Jesus? That is so real. So we can't just say Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. Please explain to your children that they're not eating the body of Jesus, okay? Because they will come up with that scenario. Are we okay? Praise Jesus. He's like, Jordan's like, one more. I just pulled him off the drums to do something really quickly, and he gave me the rolling eyes effect. And if you're parents, you know what the rolling eyes effects mean. Angel's laughing because she gets it all the time from the girls. The rolling eyes effects means, Mum, you've just put pressure on me, and you're making me do something that I prepared to do but who knows God uses you in season and out of season hallelujah praise you Jesus we are getting there we are getting there are we getting there I should have had some jokes on me oh no let's go recap let's recap okay what are we doing at the moment can I can I have a lolly thanks um, so sorry she was eating a lolly so I'm just going to take one for later to suck on so um Nehemiah challenge, what was the first thing we did for the first week of Nehemiah? Ding, ding, ding. No, first week, first week of Nehemiah, what did we cover? Sorry, Dave? What will you respond to? Or was it setting the scene for Nehemiah to appear where Nehemiah is through Ezra and Ruth? Oh, baby Jemima. Okay, so what was the second week? No, that was the, no, it was what will we respond to? That's the second week. Third week, gates, what, five, first five gates? Five gates, give me five gates. Sheep, fish, sheep, fish, old, old, what's the next one? What? Valley, and what's the next one? Dun, 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 dun. After dun, 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 the next one, fountain, water, east, horse, 
Inspection. Ah, awesome. And then what was last week's message about? You've got this. Who's resonated that in their spirit all week? You've got this. You've got this. Who checks something this week to someone and say, you've got this? Oh, those who didn't put up your hands, shame on you. No, they just, we're not shaming and we're not shaming here. But anyway, just remember that you, we, if we can just encourage one person a day, man, that'll make their day. Amen. So before I start um, this week, and to be honest, I don't have a title, so just make one up. So you all have different titles for your own pieces of paper, which means something for you. So make your own title. That's what my message is called, make your own title. But before we start, I just want to give us an update. We have put in our building consent. We are hoping and believing that we're going to get it by the end of this month, praise Jesus. So we're going to just take you on a tour. This is the tour of your house downstairs. Let's keep moving. Can we have the proper visual? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's keep moving. We're moving. Oh, look at that stunning, beautiful thing. Isn't that stunning? Yeah, Jesus, praise God. Yeah, Jesus said faith without works is dead, so you can keep praising Jesus, but you need to do some work. Hallelujah. So that's what it looks like. And there should be another one. What does it look like out in that foyer area? Oh, isn't that stunning? Okay, another one. Oh, is there no foyer? No, oh, I thought there was a visual of the foyer. Can you go to the next picture? Thank you, Dave. I know there was one. So we are believing we've had some obstacles. Who knows obstacles are good? We had some obstacles along the way, and you may think that nothing's happening, but so much work has been going on. We've had to prove that we've got enough car parks. We've had to deal with Progressive, um, who owns all of this. We've had to deal with council, which don't own anything, but believe they own everything. Um, we've had to deal with everything and everyone. We've had to kind of make sure that we're okay with all our beautiful neighbours across the fence. We've had to make sure that this building can withstand an earthquake. Can I say that once? we're finished, we'll probably be the best building to be in on an earthquake. Who knows that? Amen. So I want to make sure that our babies are safe and everyone that uses us is safe. So lots of work have been happening. So keep praying, keep believing we are going to be doing this. Are you excited? Okay, pat your back and say, now you've got to work. Okay, just in case you think it's all going to disappear and you're just going to rock in, it's not going to happen. So it's good news, amen? So today we're going to continue the Nehemiah Challenge. Again, make your own, own title up because I don't have one. Okay, I want to begin with this. It is impossible to live a faithful walk with God without experiencing opposition. Who knows that? You cannot walk a faithful full life with God without opposition. Jesus promised opposition. He said to his disciples, you're going to go through many trials and tribulations of all different kinds. It's going to come. Paul tells his, his son Timothy, Paul sees to Timothy, Timothy, if you are eager and if you want to, um, to, to represent who I am, Jesus, who I am, you're going to come across persecution. You're going to be persecuted for your faith. Amen? Nehemiah chapter 4 teaches us this truth. In the spiritual realm, when there is movement going forward, you will always find friction coming against it. So it's like you're moving forward and then something start, tries to stop you. Who knows that? Your washing machine breaks down one day 
And then something happens with the fridge a week later. And then something happens sometime after. And it feels like there's a friction happening between what is good and evil. Okay? So the first three chapters of Nehemiah, it tells a very positive story. Chapter 1 tells us about Nehemiah's calling and how his calling was developed. Nehemiah chapter 2 talks about how a king gave everything that Nehemiah needed to build build the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah chapter 3 is a beautiful story how unity of a people for a cause can make something happen. A unity of a people can make something happen. Do you know what happens today in the government? Even if they don't like each other, if they're for something, they can make something happen. Right? So abortion and no smacking rule and all this kind of stuff that's happening around, you know, all different, um, you know, Labour and Māori and whoever other parties, they can come in unity just for a cause. They may not agree with everything, but when they have a cause, they come into unity to make that cause come to fruition, yeah? So this is what happens in Nehemiah. Everything is going great. And this is what can happen to you and I. Everything is going awesome. Life is awesome. Seasons where everything is great. Doors are being opened, great opportunities. The right relationships are forming. The wrong relationships are leaving. Family is awesome. Church is awesome. Work is awesome. Everything is awesome. But like Nehemiah, everybody needs to turn to a chapter four. In our walk, we will come to a chapter four. You see, chapter four gives us insight of what the enemies were doing. Even though everything was going awesome for Nehemiah, the enemy was still at work. See, God was working, but the enemy was also working at the same time. So a group of people, they formed an alliance against Nehemiah's calling. They formed an alliance against Nehemiah's calling. There were three people in particular. And look, you're going to follow me with that. That's the next slide. I, I'm going to give you some bad name pronunciation, but I'm going to try. Sembolet. Is it up there? Yeah. And you can pronounce it because my pronunciation is bad. And um, Torpa, Tapaya, and Jashim. Yep. So because Nehemiah was under the protection of the king, these three enemies of Nehemiah couldn't openly war against him. Think about this. Because Nehemiah was under the protection of a king, the enemy can't war publicly against you. Because you are under the protection of a king, the enemy will not war publicly against you. And I'm going to prove this through God's word. Because the enemy is very sly and he's very, uh, he's very, uh, he's very, he's a strategist. He's really good at what he does. But who knows we are better. So they couldn't war openly against Jerusalem. So they implemented three strategies. And in order to get a reaction, they wanted Nehemiah to react. Someone say react. You and I must understand that to conquer self is the greatest weapon against the enemy. To conquer self. If you can conquer self, you become the greatest weapon against the enemy. Self. I was saying this morning, I get so confused when Christians do this. Oh, pastor. The next slide. Yes. Oh, pastor. You know, I was, I was tormented by the enemy last night. 
And then someone else down the road says to me, oh, pastor, you know, there was the enemy was in my house. My husband was arguing with me. And I'm so confused because I thought that only God can be in all places at all times. So my thinking is, friends, that sometimes you become your worst enemy. Oh, oh, Jesus. Okay. We give him too much credit for our issues. So to conquer self is the greatest weapon against the enemy. Self can be the greatest enemy in your family. Whoa. Self can be the greatest enemy in your church. Self can be the greatest enemy in your workplace and in your community and your relationships. Self. Self can be the greatest enemy. And can I tell you how you know self is your greatest enemy? Is when you deter blame to other people. When you say it is because of this, they are unhappy. It is because of that, because of that, because of, and you deter, you push blame to someone or something else. So simply put, it's about us learning to maintain control of our own sinful nature, self. It means remaining a master of our own domain. We are the master of our own domain, self. So self, if we can conquer self, we can conquer the enemy. So this morning, I'm not going to be sharing three steps or four steps or sharing anything steps. All I want to do is share some principles that I hope that will resound within you, that that will stir up within you, that as you seek to overcome maybe something you're facing right now or as you face something in the future, that you can pull from the principles from the Word of God, not steps, principles. Because who knows that steps are hard to follow. I was listening to the band. They go, check, one, two. They can't go three, four, five. I'm like, is there anything after two? Check, one, two. I'm like, three, four, five steps. So let's look very carefully at Nehemiah chapter three, the three first strategies that the enemy will use. And you will identify these in your own own life. Believe me, I, I know. Okay. So the first thing, Nehemiah 4, 1 to 3. We're going to read it together. It's going to come up there. Is it up there? Let's read this together. E-R. Let's go. (laughs) So he mocked the Jews. The first thing he did was he mocked the Jews. How did he mock the Jews? Let's read. So you can't mock by yourself, right? You have to have companionship for mocking. You don't do that, eh? You don't bring people around for prayer meeting just to pray for someone else's issue, right? Yeah, no, you don't do that. But I'm just saying, you have to have companionship to mock, okay? So he had companions, his brethren, and who? The army. And he said what? Verse 3. 
Uh, see, enough, enough mocking from other people can cause you to be influenced by that mocking. So then someone else who was listening to this then jumped into it. You're right. You don't do that, but I'm just saying it's the other church down the road. So whatever they built, if even the fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls. So the first thing that they did was they started to mock. The purpose of mocking is to dismiss your efforts. Mocking seeks to render you and your work worthless. Who knows that? So he was so furious about the rebuilding of the war that he started to mock the Jews. Instead of addressing Nehemiah quietly, he went on the other side. And then he had a group of people. And then they all started mocking them. And then others heard and all jumped in. They started to talk about them behind their backs. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Friends, the enemy will always come after your identity. He will always mock who you are. What are these feeble Jews doing? Your identity is the most one of the most powerful forces the Lord has given you. This is what the Lord says. But the enemy is now rebranding you and saying to you, you're but a feeble Jew. So your identity is powerful, and the person that you believe yourself to be controls who you are and what you do. If you start believing what others are saying about you, you're going to start doing what they're saying that you are and who you are. So now the enemy is labeling the identity. Who are these feeble Jews? Our identity shapes the path of our life. Our spiritual enemy wants nothing more than to take our identity captive. And who knows, we've got an identity crisis every single day when we wake up in the morning. Girls, we say, oh, I look so big in this. That's an identity crisis. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> so he knows that if he control who you perceive yourself to be, he can control how you live. If the enemy can control who you perceive you are, he can control the way you live. That is why he can't be at your place and their place and their place. You just do it yourself. The enemy wants us to disbelieve our value. And we've heard this so many times. Who's got some money? Who's got money? Money, money, money. Who's got some notes? Thanks. Oh, I know who I'm going out for lunch with. <laughs> You're not all. Oh. <laughs> Mark, next time please come prepared. I mean, Kevin. So you know value, right? And everyone knows value. I can do this. I can do this. I can't give it back. I just spat on it. We can do this. But it doesn't devalue the value of that note. I can still pick it up and I can still spend it at the shop. I can still spend it. It may be spat on. It may have moved from dirty hands to dirty hands. It could have traveled to Samoa and come back to the toilet in New Zealand, it could have went through so much, but I can still value it as a $5 note regardless of what it's gone through. 
I just hold it. <laughs> just <laughs> sorry, Kevin. Your wallet was straight into that because it looked like it had been in there for a while. So he wants us to disbelieve our value. See, he don't need to do anything more but to tell you how worthless you are and you just believe it. And everything comes on piles and piles of this. It's, it's the lie he uses and he used it from the beginning of time about your value. So he started to mock them and call them feeble Jews. And this is something that I want us to settle in our heart this morning. First Corinthians 1. It says, but God has chosen the foolish. Oh, it sounds like me. God has chosen the foolish things of the world and put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world and put to shame the things which are mighty. God delights in using feeble instruments to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. So he's going to mock you and he's coming after your identity. Remember, as... um, as uh, a good, uh, the story of a good Samaritan and they were going down to Jerusalem and then the thieves come. Remember the story? If you don't know the story, then get a Bible. But the thieves come and then they, the first thing they do when they come against this person is they rip off the clothing. Why? Because clothing represents who they are. It was their identity. You know a nurse by seeing their uniform. You know a cleaner by seeing their You know who works at McDonald's by seeing their cleaner. So if the enemy can strip away your identity, you will start being confused about who you are. So they started to mock. And then they did this after mocking these feeble Jews. They said, will they fortify themselves? And I call this the will they test. You and I are going to go through the will they test. He says, will they fortify themselves? In other words, he is now mocking their own ability to do what God has called them to do. Will they fortify their, will they fortify themselves? The Bible is clear. It's not by might, nor, but by. This is a strategy the enemy will use against you and I. That if we're rebuilding the wars again around our own families, that he will use your ability and tell you you can't. Uh, Yeah, he, he will tell you. He will tell you that you're useless. He'll tell you that you're going to fail because you tried to rebuild the wars before. This is not the first attempt. You've tried to rebuild your family before and you totally failed and you totally messed up. So now will you fortify your, will, will, you, will they fortify themselves? Most of the time the devil won't launch a full scale attacks against God's people or against your family. Because if he does, it's so obvious and you can defend yourself. Instead he just wears you down through day to day attacks. He just wears you down. He doesn't come at you with a full force. Remember, you have the king's protection. So they know they can't come publicly before you and and go after you. So they've got to do things in the day-to-day things that will try and wear you down. And these are the strategy that the enemy will use against us. He says, will they offer sacrifices? You know, the will they test? They've attacked your identity He's attacked your ability to do the war. And now he's attacking your own faith. Will they offer sacrifices? Um, Am I truly saved? 
I've screwed up so many, oh, can I use that word? I've screwed up so many times. Am I really saved? Does Jesus really exist? Who's had those thoughts? Yeah, I have. Okay, you don't have to. I have. Is this really worth it? Is going to this church and trying to be good really, really worth it? Is God truly for me? I've been praying. I've been doing so much stuff. Is that, and nothing's been answered. Have you ever felt this way before in your own walk, in your own journey, that you've questioned your own faith in God? The will they moment, will they, will they? And then you begin to beat yourself up and you begin to doubt your own walk and your own faith with God. And I've been there many, many times that I have doubted my own walk with God. See, the enemy loves it when our faith moves from God to self. This is a strategy. It is easy if he came out and attacked us with, you know, big horns and, I don't know, <laughs> breath and fuck. I don't know, I don't know, if he came out so bad publicly, I could defend myself against that. But he's a very smooth operator. So we're going to face some stuff in life. We're going to face some obstacles. But in the end, our faith in God will prevail. In the end, our faith with God will prevail. Our faith will be revived. It will be tested on fire. And we will go through stuff. So if you don't want to go through stuff, you can still not receive Jesus in your life, but you're still going to go through stuff. There's no respect of man. It's coming your way. Whether If you're breathing, it's coming your way. The great thing is that when we've got a king protecting us, it makes the attack worthwhile because I'm coming at you. I've got the kingdom of God behind me. Amen. And then he says, will they complete it in the day? I love this one. This doesn't happen here. No, just kidding. Uh, if you're breathing, it happens. Will they complete it in the day? Who said they'll complete it in the day? Nowhere in Nehemiah does he say, I'm going to complete this war in one day. But do you know what? The enemy loves to make stuff up. He loves to lie. And it's great because you know what? You start believing the lies and it begins to overflow. The enemy cannot take advantage of us unless we ignore. If we ignore him, if we believe he doesn't exist, you're never going to be ready to deal with it. You okay? Is this okay? So he's a liar. And if you start to believe the lies, then you'll ultimately affect your behavior. If you believe, it's going to affect you. Will they complete in the day? Who said they're going to complete in the day? But it's enough to stir up trouble in the camp, right? It's enough. Just a seed. He just sows the seed. Will they complete in the day then? Everybody now has heard this rumor. And then it says this. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? I love this. Because who knows, dung, dung, dung is good. Can I say this? If something in you reminds you over and over again about your past, you're probably under an attack. He will always bring your past up. You see, God will use the rubble in your life for his future glory. Because they weren't building the wall with lots of other stuff. They were actually using the rubble from what was around the wall. And they were re-stacking this wall with the rubble that was around the wall. God's going to use all your mess. 
And the enemy's going to use your mess too. He's going to remind you about your past. And I want to encourage you that all the rubbish in your life, God's going to use it, man. He's, he's using it. He's using your rubbish for future glory. So what is lying in the heap of rubbish was the very thing that God was going to use to rebuild the wall. The enemies of Nehemiah saw rubbish, but Nehemiah saw greatness. When you look at rebuilding your family, you, the enemy may say to you, it's just all rubbish. You need to leave her. I've got another woman for you. That might be a prophetic word. You've got to don't do this and you've got to do this. Can I remind you that God's going to use the rubbish in your life to bring God glory? Are you okay? We must see ourselves the way God sees us. God sees possibility. Others sees failure. You failed before, you're going to fail again. Do you think man could fly in one day? It took many fail attempts. Do you think power came in one day? It took many failed attempts. The greatest people are not the ones that just, that, the greatest people are the ones that fail, but keep failing and keep failing until they get it. <laughs> If you're a failure, you're in a good category. Just keep going. Just keep going. So he's, he's, he's now attacking what is around them. He says, can they complete in the day? Will these stones of heaps of rub rubbish, they see rubbish. God sees good things. He sees possibilities. Your past is never wasted. What you've gone through is never wasted. He uses everything. And then it says this, and even the fox goes up and he breaks down, the, a fox goes on it and he will break down the, their wall. He's now attacking the quality of what your work, your hands have done. Oh, yeah. You know, your family, they're never going to survive this. You've done this and, you know, a wind's going to blow your family over and they're going to go back to normal and things are going to go bad. He used... In you, great materials, awesome materials. He's built you with awesome materials. And everything that he's put in you, he will come back for it again. He's called us to prosper. He's called us to be blessed. He's called us to be healthy. He's called us to be overcomers. He called us to be great. He called us to be, um, to be self-sustaining, to, to, to praise him in everything. He's called us to that place. God is the builder of your life and he's the builder of your family. But he will mock what you're trying to build. He will attack your identity. He will attack your ability. He will attack your faith. He will sow lies and rumors. He'll bring up your past and he will also attack the quality of your hands. Everything that the enemy does, he does for you to react When you hear stuff, do you react? Be still and know that I am God. This is how Nehemiah responded to the mockery. Nehemiah 4, 4 to 5, let's read this. Is it up? Let's read this. Let's go. Let's go. Here. Do not cover their do not 
Can I say this? God is big. He can handle your prayer. God didn't say, oh, Lord, bless the enemies before me. Lord, I just pray a blessing. You said to forgive them, and you said this. No, Nehemiah's like, what? put it on their head, man. Like, I would squash them. I've had prayers like that. I'm not used. Okay, I would like pray prayers like that. Like, God is big enough to deal with my weakness. Love your enemy? That's going to take me a bit of time, Lord. But for now, can you strike them with thunder and lightning? But we Christianize everything and we say, bless our enemies and and we love them in Jesus' name. Bro, I'm going to ask God to just put thunder and lightning on your backside and just squash you. But that's my prayer to God. It's my personal prayer to God. God knows that I'm weak in that area and he's big enough not to strike me down and go, well, because you said that, I'm going to make you do. No, God is a God of love. He understands my weakness. So instead of him going at them and and trying to prove his point, he prays an honest prayer regarding his offenders. And and he was angry. This doesn't sound like a blessed-like prayer. He's like, turn their approach on their own heads. Mia, that sounds like to me, turn around and smack them in the face. That's what that sounds like to me. But he had this honest prayer with God and he gives all his anger and frustration out to God. And do you know what? It's so freeing when you can be honest to God. I don't know, but I can't sit. When someone, when someone or something comes against me, I don't stand in my prayer closet and say, Lord, I just thank you for them. I don't thank God for them. I'm like, Lord, strike them down, but give me a heart to come to a place of forgiveness. <laughs> God, maybe I need to sit down. <laughs> like, I can feel Pastor Andrew like, what is she doing? <laughs> okay, I'm not as strong as you guys, but this is how I roll with my God. Because my God knows my weakness. And he knows that I'm going to like say some things, but I'm going to say it to him and not to you. Are you Okay. So I tell you, it's a freeing feeling when you release this, this, this to God because God's not intimidated by our weakness and he's not intimidated by our honesty. He already knows what you're going to pray. So don't try and trick him and pray good prayers because he's already read your heart and he knows you've got an issue. So how about we just get over the mumbo jumbo and just tell him the truth? Okay. But please bless me. <laughs> So remember, mocking attacks the identity, the ability, their faith. It spread rumors and lies. It brings up your past. And now it's mocking the quality of their work. But Nehemiah prays he does not react. To conquer self is the greatest weapon against the enemy. To conquer self is the greatest weapon against the enemy. The second thing that he does, the enemy does, is then he throws out threats. Verses 7 and 8. See, in between all of this, Nehemiah's res- responding. So now this mockery's happened, so Nehemiah starts to pray. And now threats start coming on. So let's see about these threats, seven and eight. Let's read it together. Let's go. Now what happened? Don't give him a foothold. Three 
Threats are intended to influence or to, to create damage. Threats. It's real damage, man. No one who threatens you can ever, they're threatening you because you have something. In the body of Christ, it happens a lot. So don't talk about other churches in front of me because it's not going to happen. Because we're threatened by great success of other people, we start doing things against that people. Oh, come on, church. Come on, that needs to stop. That needs to stop. Leave them alone. So it means that if your work has been threatened, I can say to you, you're probably on the right path and you're probably doing the right thing. And the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. So now he's going to throw threats at you. Your work matters and the enemy has taken notice. He's taken notice of what you're doing because he does not want you to succeed. For Nehemiah, the opposition has moved from just trying to derail their work to rebuild to now threatening the work of building. It's moved, it's escalated. You haven't moved from the insults and the mockery. Now he's starting to threaten you. And the city is now completely surrounded. Just think about it. That whole city is now surrounded, north, south, east and west, with enemies. Have you ever had to face that where you think you're being consumed by everything bad in your whole life? You have to face it on every side. And as the enemy saw work progressing, they became more angrier. Their words of mocking couldn't stop them. So now it's open warfare. And again, this is how Nehemiah responds. Verse 9. Let's read this together. Verse 9. Nevertheless, the prayers have already been made. But because of that prayer, now I'm going to do something else. I'm going to set a watch against them day and night. I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to set a watch. I'm going to set a watch against uh, day and night. Whenever action, whatever action that Nehemiah takes, the first thing he does was to pray, and then he sets up protection. Set up protection around your children. Set up protection around your home. Set up protection around your family. Set up protection around your community, your house, your church, your leaders, um, your workplace. Set up protection. We prayed, and now we're posted guards day and night to protect against the threat. The threat is real. Threats come all different shapes, all different sizes. It comes at you. Okay? The enemy will love, loves it when he threatens you. And do you know what threats do to many people? Gives us the ability to give up. We just give up. We get tired of fighting. Who's been there? You're just so, I'm just so tired. Like I just want to give up. Like I just want to go to Samoa now and retire. Praise Jesus. We come to a place where we just give up. We throw away our core. We throw away our service. We disconnect. We just give up because it's easier to give up than to keep fighting. I've been there. So if you've been there, you're not alone. You're in good company. Nehemiah knew that to overcome this opposition that he had to pray and set up protection. And in fact, I want you to show you how intentional Nehemiah's setup of protection was. Let's have a look. In verses 16 and 18 to 18. Let's read that together. 
So it was. Those who built on the wall. Wow. 18. Everyone. Working with weapons. If you're facing opposition right now, it's no time to quit. Cut it out. Pull that thought down. You need to keep working, but be intentional about your position and your protection around your homes and your households. Every one of the builders had a sword. Everyone. They build with one hand and they war with the other. That is the picture of our lives every single day. The third strategy, and I'm almost done. Discouragement. This is a big one. Um, Verse 10 to 12, let's read. Then Judah said... So it was. They told them ten times. Now they're speaking the enemy's language. It was the Jews that came and told us ten times. One time wasn't enough. I've got to keep telling you and keep telling you and keep telling you. The people of Judah are important because the people of Judah are part of God's family. Mocking and threats came from the outside, but discouragement was happening now inside. So they're allowing the stuff from the outside to affect what was happening on the inside. Can you see this pattern in your family? Can you see that when you have a stressful day at work, that you keep that at work and you dust your feet off and you walk into your house with a better attitude, A, B's and C's? Don't you bring your stuff into your family? Don't allow the outside influences to to dictate what goes on in your house. You put protection at your door and you make sure your family is guarded. I'm not telling you off, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Discouragement is a loss of confidence and enthusiasm. When you're discouraged, you just can't be bothered. You just lose passion and oomph and zeal and you just can't be bothered because you're so discouraged so now the influence from everything around you is dictating your behavior the attacks are now are not from the outside they're now from the inside have you ever been to this place where now you are so discouraged that you just cannot be bothered Yeah, you could come to church and smile, but you really can't be bothered coming to church. But you're just going to smile right through it. You could go go out and, you know, you see someone, and this is what you do. You see them on one side of the street, but you're so discouraged that you go and hide into the shop. 
I used to do that, so I'm giving you my example. <laughs> I used to do that. Have you ever felt so discouraged in your own heart? You're just so discouraged. You're just like, I just don't feel encouraged. Oh, I'm so discouraged. Well, if the Jews become discouraged, they would defeat themselves. If you come to become discouraged, you would defeat yourself. The enemy doesn't have to war against you. You'll just do it yourself because you're so discouraged. Have you ever been to that place? It's like discouragement is a key weapon the enemy uses, and it's, it was discouragement that kept Israel from the promised land. Remember? Are we able to come against these people, the giants, and this is that, and they had all this discouragement and all this. Ten times the Jews did this in Nehemiah, and it was only one report from ten people. We're not able to do this. This is what happens when we start looking at self and start looking at our problems. We become discouraged when we look at self and we look at the problem. But this is what Nehemiah does when his people, when they start becoming discouraged. Verse 14, principles. I'm just telling you, if you feel any of these, these are principles. Verse 14, let's read it. And I looked... So he's gonna, he's gonna, he said to the nobles, not just the nobles, haha, the leaders, yeah, they get discouraged too sometimes. Uh, not just the leaders, ah, uh, the rest of the people get discouraged too. We're all in there, okay. And he says to them, what? The core that he calls them to remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. Put yourself in their shoes. They've worked and they've been mocked for their work. But they keep working with all their heart and with all their might and they keep doing this. Then they become threatened, so they set up protection. They build with one hand and they protect with their armor on the other hand. That is a tough place to be. Just put ourselves in their shoes. And for the people of God, it led to this place of discouragement. People come at your enemy, and I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about things come against you. Over time, it's going to wear you down. And you're going to feel a pit of discouragement coming upon you. But Nehemiah, he gets up and he tells them that God is great and he is awesome. The people of God was led to discouragement, and that led to them losing enthusiasm. They started to see the heap of rubbish. They started to see the mess. They started to see that they can't do it. They started to doubt what God's called, called them to do as a people. They started to doubt. And Nehemiah's words in verse 14, he calls them to look at a different perspective. He says, don't look at that, but do not be afraid. Remember, the Lord is great and the Lord is awesome. A different perspective. Get it off you and get it on him. Everything around us changes but God. Your husband changes. Your wife changes. Your partner changes. Your friend changes. Your children change. Man, their attitudes change. They used to be good. <laughs> I'm not going to confess that in Jesus' name. But we need to focus on Lord who has called us to this work, not onto the opposition, not onto the things that are pushing against us. To overcome, we must shift perspective. 
The more people tell me I can't, <laughs> something rages in me, I can. <laughs> you tell me I can't, I can. It's like fuel. I love it. So we built the war, verse 6 says. The entire war was joined together up to half its height, and the people had mind, for the people had a mind to work. So halfway, they started to lose focus on what was done. Halfway point's so hard, man. We are halfway, almost ready to get down there and do work. Halfway. We're almost there. It's hard we need that halfway mark. But you and I need to stop and look what the God has already done in your life. Don't quit now. Don't give up on your family now. Don't give up on your marriage, your relationships, your friendships. Don't give up now. Shift your perspective. To overcome this, you have to shift perspective to do what God has already done. Look at, look at how far you've come. Look at what God has done. Shift perspective. So let me recap. Three strategies that the enemy or obstacles or um, opposition will come at you. Mockery, threats, and discouragement. But Nehemiah did not react. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah set up protection. And Nehemiah shifted his perspective. And that's where you and I need to be today. Can you be upstanding in the presence of the Lord? I do hope that this has...